It's, uh, it's our absolute pleasure. We also have John here with us. John Singleton, are you okay? I'm very well, and thank you for having me. So, no, what an honor! It's the first time we actually have a a threesome like this. So, so <laughs> let's let's see how it's, let's see how it works. Yeah. It's um it's a it's a first let's one for me. Um, I'm not going to ask you whether it's the first one for you guys, but it certainly <laughs> is for me. And um and and, and I, was, I was just th thinking, Shane, of course, no, you're. You're the man. You're the absolute man. Now everybody wants to know everything about you. So I have a few questions here. Some of them uh, I have gathered from friends and family. We also did ask uh, cool. our, our social media followers whether there was something specific they would like to to know from you. Um, and um, and I and then I just uh, I'm just gonna shoot. But the first one is actually sort of my question because I'm you know I'm a huge fan of 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 you, your story, and and your athletes. But um, I, I know that you've finished the games and you've been on a road trip for a, for a few days, probably taking yeah. a few days off. I mean, what, what are those days like? I mean, you go all in, vacation, eat anything, no training, just crazy? Or is there a bit of a structure and you actually do some training? No, so you're exactly right. The first part was so true. I feel, I feel like we dive deep in a hole of training where we just – go completely gun-ho on that and commit to that. And then once it's the off-season, we have the same intensity for that. So absolutely no structure. I think that was the perk of it. Uh, our original plans changed. We planned to have gone to Italy. And uh, now I might butcher the name, but is it the Amalf <laughs> Amalfi Coast? What is it? Anyway, there's a beautiful like coastline. We, Yeah, we were going to sail with that with Tia's family and some close friends of ours. But obviously, with the circumstances that changed, uh, fortunately enough, we were able to hire an RV and um, simulate the best we could in, on the coast of the U.S. So, yeah, a lot of eating, a lot of sleeping in, and no training. <laughs> and is, the, is that something you do every year after the games? I mean, you set a time, maybe, what is it, two weeks where, where you just you know, do that, enjoy yourselves, and, and, and eat? Yeah, so I think it really stems from, well, particularly Tia in this situation. Tia will uh, sort of base what she wants to do. I think it's it's more for her to have her decompression for the season. Um, I, I obviously put some input of where we want to go, or what we can do, but ultimately uh, it's her it's her chance now to do what she wants to do, make up for the season or make up for the year where she had to put in those extra hours here and there, so... It's, mm -hmm. uh, I guess it's a reward. I guess it is like a holiday. Well, it is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and well-deserved. That's no no doubt. Um, Shane, I mean, everybody knows you're coaching the two fittest men and women on earth. So everybody wants to know everything about yeah. you as a coach. But you as a, you know, as, as, as an athlete, as a, as a person, I mean, you also take care of, of your fitness. And um, you probably also coach yourself very well. But it was it. How does your formula look like? What do you do and what do you think your, your fitness is, is going into? My fitness particularly, or we're talking about the other guys? No, your, yours. I mean, you as, yeah. a, you as, Sh as Shane. I mean, you're yeah. the best coach uh, in the world. Stop it. But I appreciate that. Keep going. No, no. So um, it all depends. Like, sorry, depends where we are in the season. De depends on my involvement physically, like of what I do. Uh, typically in the off season, 
or in the preseason training camp. Um, I'm very much involved. I like to do a lot of that. I think it's important for me to understand physically what they're going through. Uh, you know, with the with the doms and everything they go through, the volume, understanding how they're feeling tired or tight in the morning. So, very important for me to do that. But as the season progresses or as the uh, volume increases, Shane's training decreases. Uh, and I think that allows me to step back from physically feeling it now, like watching it more mentally now and watching the surroundings, particularly with Tierra Matt and being more involved or being that third eye and just watching from far. So so there's a level of, of testing you do before everything you, you, you program for other people and especially for, for them? Yeah, uh, we certainly do through we certainly go through a testing phase and then we retest obviously. Uh, particularly for myself, there's no expectations. I just I'm thrilled that I get to exercise or make a career out of training. So uh, I know that'll always be tomorrow for me to train at this particular moment. So I'm just going all in and trying to help these guys become the best version of themselves. So I'm just fortunate that these guys don't need much of a push. I can. I can sit back and they don't need me to lead the way. <laughs> no, I wish that well, was the case. We, we, we will definitely tackle that. You know, the, I have a few questions to try and get the, the keys to, to what you do and how you do it so well. But, yeah. um, you know, I, I also had some people interested in knowing, you know, we all have a sort of a CrossFit story or, or a performance story. And uh, like going back to your early days, how do you, how do you get in, involved in, in, in CrossFit in the first place? Yeah, so... Pretty sure it was 2013. Uh, we had a preseason camp for rugby, and um, how it would work when the paddocks were too wet, we would then do this thing called CrossFit. And uh, sure enough, that I had a membership in a Globo gym at the time, so I just said, "Hey, look, I, I'm not sure I can attend this CrossFit thing you guys do, but I, I'll just go to the Globo gym down the road where I've got a membership." And then I'll just. As the weeks progressed in this preseason camp, and it was just it was just raining nonstop for weeks, uh, you know, I just bit the bullet and said, "Right, I'll try this CrossFit thing." Anyway, sure enough, I went there. Absolutely loved it. I don't recall the workout, but I recall the next day feeling sore completely everywhere. Then I then I passed the idea on to Tier. I said, "Hey, Tier, you should try this thing called CrossFit. Uh, I think it will really complement your track and field, particularly with the hurdles being more." Uh, explosive and plyo training, which which they do for some of the warm-up drills. Anyway, she tried this thing called CrossFit, and um, sure enough, she came back and absolutely hated everything about it. Didn't enjoy <laughs> her session. She she walked out of there and said, no, nah, that's not for me. Uh, I'd rather stick to what I know. Uh, but anyway, that, that stemmed. That's another story there. But I was shown CrossFit through rugby training, and it was a preseason, um, pre-season camp or training session, yeah. So I mean, of course, you're you're from Australia. You're Australian, and um, and uh, so the background, your background in sports is rugby. You like is was that mm -hmm. your sport, and this is where you, where you did your 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 biggest impact, so far. Yeah, yeah. Uh, rug, rugby would have been a um, was the one sport that I would say that I stuck to the most. Like I, I like dabbling in other sports like rugby league. Um, obviously, just. Uh, I appreciated a lot of other sports, but I played other sports growing up. But I would say definitely that um, rugby union was the code of choice, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because you mentioned rugby, and that immediately starts to give me a sort of a picture of the kind of person you are because rugby is the kind of sport that tells a lot about 
about it, about an athlete and how you see sports and teamwork and and very often when I think of you and I hope you don't mind me saying this, I think you have a, such a a great team mentality and a great service mentality. I mean, I see the the, the way you deal with uh, Tia and and Matt and you're there for them. You don't have like that coach persona where it's like I say you do and I know you don't. So I'm going to I'm going to get straight to it, you know, to you mm -hmm. to you to coaching. You know, what are the keys to coaching the best as in they already know a lot? You know, and and what is what what are the keys to that relationship to to some to two to athletes that already know a lot about training about themselves? Yeah, uh, great question. Um, how I break it down as well, and I'm, I'm sure John can relate to this as well. As you get to the higher end athletes, they've already got a lot of the skills and the prerequisites. Like you know, they've they've got the drive, they've got uh, they've got the training volume under their belt, so to speak, um, and they're very disciplined off or so, sorry outside of the gym i think at this level it's more about managing uh load being conscious of their training and um communication communication is is hands down the most important aspect that i think that is not overlooked but a valuable asset into relationship building and understanding your athletes it's obviously two-way street when i say communication i'm not just necessarily saying what i'm saying do this I'm actually looking at more than the verbal language they give me, obviously the physical, which, which body parts they're touching excessively, like how they're grasping their shoulder. Okay, so I'm conscious of that. I'm even looking at the body language which they're portraying in my conversation. Are they, are they even present? Are they thinking about other things? What is it? Is it something off social media what's annoyed them? Or I don't know, or is it, is it like a commitment with a sponsor or is it just the surroundings where they're not comfortable? Are they, anyway. Factoring in all those things and understanding that for me is is uh, having having them present is certainly an asset to the fact that we're all together and we see each other daily. Yeah, I hope that answers it. Did I go off track there? No, absolutely. I mean, I I find it fascinating because uh, it's something that it would scare me, you know, to to know that I'm trying to bring value to some to someone that is almost like has all the value in the world, you know. So I was I'm, I was very fascinating into how you tackle. To how that conversation and I guess what I'm hearing from you is that there's a lot of listening that actually needs to happen in order for you to to bring them with values like it's not so much about what you're saying it's also what you're hearing from them is that is that where you were going yeah exactly exactly that it's a two-way street they got to be they've got to be transparent with me as well I will say though it um it does there is more coaching at the start of the season where we're um uh, in the building phase or we're going back to the fundamentals, the basics and doing a lot of that where we work strict, strictly on technique and tightening up our movement patterns. And as we progress through the season, I guess the hands-on comes a lot less and it's more of a reinforcement role and it's just um, adapting when I, where I need to be injected into the training a lot more. Awesome. Uh, John, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass it on to you so you can throw Shane a question as well. But before I'm going to also, also – make another one myself you know i have it i have yeah. a ton and i'm, I'm super, I'm loving it. super in, but you know i guess you're also living your you're being challenged by the athletes and you're also yeah. you know be, being tested every day as a coach so so you i'm sure you've been able to to see you know what your strengths and weaknesses as a coach potentially are like as a, as a professional coach yeah. what do you think what do you think 
I mean, well, first question, is that true? Are you are you seeing what your strengths and weaknesses is, and are they challenging you as a coach? And second, what do you think your strengths are? Yeah, um, I certainly am challenged every day. I think and that's the aspect, and I'm sure many coaches, and I'm sure John, I'd love to hear what John thinks, but I think that is the most enjoyable part. It's that journey of trying to find that right balance of challenging the athletes uh, and also allowing them to succeed in the training as well. Um, I think with that as well is there's got to be a, a path or a, a clear outline. Again, this communication that they understand or they identify where we are and where we're going. Uh, like if that's based around goals, um, it does it does come with complications, you know, with the uncertainty of seasons changing from year to year. So it's we go through this roller coaster of uh, training, like peaks and and valleys of uh, winning when to be at top form and that. So juggling that, um, obviously, obviously these guys get pulled left, right, center with commitments as well. We understand that. Like if it wasn't for their sponsor opportunities, this this life wouldn't happen either. Like unfortunately or fortunately, mm-hmm. but. Um, but that's that's a reality of it as well. So factoring in when these guys are on the road for days at a time, trying to trying to implement training to support them the best that I can without knowing the surroundings like the gym, whether or not they've got the facility to uh, to allow them to train. Um, strengths and weaknesses. I certainly would lean towards again if that's a com- if that's a repetitive word I'm using is communication at the moment. I think I think I'm very fortunate that I get to live in the same town as these guys, so I can well. And live with my wife, so I guess, I guess that's very easy when I could communicate with them freely and openly. I think they I think, sorry, I know that they understand that everything I say isn't for the for the for the better of them. I think they understand what wires me or what drives me is to see them to be better better than they were last year. That's ultimately our goal. So they know my intentions are for good. So when I am giving feedback or criticism or supporting, they know it's truthful and it's honest. Um, what I guess that would be the strength. Um, and, and it, it is a big my, one. It, it, it definitely yeah, is a, a, a big strength. And, you know, I'm, I think it's a, you know, I think it's something that the people hearing us will, will value the, the ability to be able to, and it, it is challenging to be able to know when, and I have that issue myself to know when to speak, when to listen and how you actually process the information to give an answer that's actually more valuable to them so it's a good strength i wonder if you have any have any weaknesses that you could share with us since a, sort of a, a humbling moment a humbling moment uh, and say yes i yeah i mean there's certainly when i look at weaknesses particularly for myself i look more at the journey and where we were and you know like again like i'm sure many coaches just we, we follow the similar pattern or, or growth as an athlete would, you know, with knowledge and understanding, communication, all these new tricks we learn along the way. It's just like like a CrossFit athlete. They learn techniques and tricks and to be more efficient. And that's that's the same with the coaching. And, you know, I look back in the early days and I look at the communication or the language or the body language that I would give off. And it certainly wouldn't be the same as it is today. And I look at that as, as a weakness where... Uh, particularly when we look at 2015 and 2016 season, I look at that and they, that was a low point for me where I realized, right, something has to change, not just for tier, but something has to change with me. Something I can do so much better, but I just need to identify what that was. And I always look at that and I look at that was the low point for me. And we're talking about athletes growth as well. And I'm going to use tier again, but her trajectory 
and performance and growth certainly was on the climb on the 2015, certainly 16, and then exponentially on the 17 season. And I would say my, my, I was, I was on the same growth pattern as her as well. So I think, I think the learning curve for both of us, particularly in 2016 and 2017 was a, for me was a big learning curve. And I look at that as a weakness. I look at 2015 and 2016, those, those building years or those years were foundation for me. Mm -hmm. Important, important to, to have a moment where you can look back and say, you know, I, 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 I became a better coach then. And I guess you, you, we all go through that. And, um, yeah, I, I, sorry. Yeah. Go. No, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm here to listen to you too. So you can interrupt me anytime. Yeah. Shane. Oh, no. Well, sorry, I appreciate that. I wish I had that same respect at home, but, um, I think <laughs> I was going to say, uh, what was I going to say? Sorry. Uh, yeah. 2016, I think honestly that low point uh, at the end of that games where tear was absolutely shattered with that result that was a low point for me and i often think about that like that's the point i never want to see her feel again and that's honestly that's like my motivation I, i'm conscious of that feeling of what we both felt in that particular moment mm -hmm. and i'll do everything i can to make sure that never happens again as well so that's that's the forefront of my mind as well yeah i mean it it you know it, and it, that's very inspiring to hear you say it because you know you, it, it, even i felt that there was not just a sort of a coach-athlete relationship, it was more than that. It's like an, yeah. it's like this an emotional strength. And before I, I, I give the work to, to John, I'm, I'm sorry, John, I'm just so interested in also hearing whether, you know, the fact that you're training your wife, whether that adds something, like a bit of an emotion that yeah. makes you even be more connected 24 hours a day, does that make it better? Yeah, I... I think it does, and and again, T and I, our our relationship's unique. We've we've been doing this coach coach relationship thing longer than we've ever like been married or anything like that, if that makes sense. So when she, when we were both in school, like I would I would be on the stopwatch when she was doing tracks. So I'd literally just press stop start when she'd go around the track, and I'd just write down her times. That was us hanging out. Like that was our way of parents letting us hang out so to speak so we've it's been very ingrained or it's been it's been a very large impact in our relationship this dynamic of coach and relationship and um it's certainly strengthened our relationship i get to see my wife 24 7 oh well, sorry i get to see her all through our working day and you know when we come home together so that comes with a lot of perks um, as, as a coach now, speaking as a coach, but obviously yeah, as course. a husband as well, it allows me to hang out with, you know, that's the ultimate goal, right? That's the ultimate dream that we want to, we want to spend time. We want to marry the person we want to spend every absolute moment we get. So I guess I'm living that dream. Oh, congratulations. Sounds, sounds great. Sounds great. I wish I could, wish you could She's say the same. She's just over there, so I'll yeah. say that. No. Yeah. Maybe we should, maybe Geordie, we should find out the relationship advice for, <laughs> for this. No, no, you're not, I'm not the one to say for that. I'm, I'm certainly no saint. <laughs> just ask Tia. Yeah, John, I think the best relationship advice is just marry the fittest woman on earth and then everything's everything yeah. will be fine you could know yeah she could she could kill you any minute so that's that's why you're a, the great guy you never speak you never speak up you just nod your head and yes i will i'll do that right. yeah i mean i mean john i mean first of all 
shoot any question you have for Shane, but I'd also like to hear from you of whether you think you have some strengths or weaknesses as a, as a coach. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, uh, as Shane said, like we have, I suppose in some ways we have like, uh, a very interesting journey together. Like the first time I coached at the games was in 2015 and that was kind of Shane and, uh, tears first year as well. And, and that's where, where we first met. And so in some ways it's been, it's like, you know, it's been super happy to follow their journey and, and see the, see the success that they've had. The, the podiums kind of ended up being exactly the same or from first to fourth in 2015 and 2016. And, and I think the one thing is like um, the athletes do form a bond as well, but the coaches do as well. You know, like you, you understand the emotions that they're going through. There's like uh, you start to sympathize with them and, and form those bonds. So, you know, the kind of the coaches also have that uh, aspect behind the scenes as well. And so for me, it's been really nice to, to follow the journey and, and also follow the, the success that, um, that you guys have had. And, and you know, whenever we see uh, Shane or Tia, like that, you know, they're such nice people. So it's um, when you guys asked me to come onto the podcast, I was, uh, I was super happy to do it and, uh, and be involved. Yeah, and thank you so much. Uh, thanks so much, John. Um, how about your weaknesses or strengths? Do you think you know? I'd be. Oh, yeah. I know you're. I know. <laughs> I was I know trying. To, I was I know, trying to avoid the question there, Jim. That, yeah. That, yeah. That's it. That's exactly why I I pushed because I know. <laughs> I mean, you're, you've also been been working with athletes for a, for a long, long time, and you're also like an experienced coach. And um, and uh, and now you live you live in Spain. Um, so I know you're you're in in a good weather. So you know I can make you feel a, a bit a bit uncomfortable with those kind of questions. But do you think you have any any weaknesses at all or strengths? A hundred percent. I think that, you know, my personality long before, um, even long before, before coaching, um, and, you know, since I was younger is very, very all in. And um, it's kind of a blessing and a curse. It means that, you know, for I think for athletes that enjoy that style of really working to towards the goal, enjoy the process, enjoy the, the journey and really like and, and seeing where they can get to that's something that really excites me and so I would say that when those two things match both with the athlete and then me as a coach then we can form a really strong team and a really tight bond and and it really starts to create nice momentum that being said it means that you know I don't necessarily work well with with all types of athletes you know I think the, the biggest difference um you know obviously the the journey kind of uh, for Shane and I had is that I then started up 2016 to work with a, a much, much larger kind of um, stable of athletes, like the, the type of athletes I'd be working with. And, and so I think that kind of forced me to develop in different ways. Um, and I think that I, the one thing I did learn is that kind of my strength is, is working within small groups with athletes who are keen to go in. The weakness being that sometimes it it doesn't gel for for that certain type of athlete. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is, it is interesting, you know, how, how you guys um, just commit to helping someone get better, and you do it, you know, in long term, and you the bonds are really strong. And I think as fans from the outside, we do see that. I mean, we think of of coaches as as, as people that bring a lot of value to to athletes. Shane, you you are, of course, you know, you're coaching Matt and Tia now, and they. They performed really, really well at the games, as we all know. And was it, did they perform too well? Did they, did they do it too well? I mean, 
What are your thoughts uh, on 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 how they performed and and the difference that the, the gap that they created between um, between them and the rest of the pack? Yeah. Uh, look, normally normally around now I do a big uh, spreadsheet of like like I break down the performance and what they had. So I'm just going to be spitballing, thinking about particular moments through the weekend, which um, which I've pondered on I know numerous times since the games, and certainly. Certainly, I'll go with Tia. Certainly, the first one uh, that I'm looking at areas of improving, or sorry, that I'm diving into the thought was particularly the uh, the six mile run. I think mm-hmm. that workout there that was her worst placing. She finished third there, and um, it sort of it just hurts because it's she's a phenomenal runner, but it was just I guess the the task was. Uh, whatever the task was, it just was a bad result. So I'm gonna I'm gonna analyze that and then see what we can do to there without diving too much into that programming. Um, like with with Matt, I, I was so pleased or pumped or proud to see him and his swimming workout. I think that was phenomenal. I, I think that he's improved. I, I particularly look at the feet when he was moving in that swim. You could just see that him kicking consciously. You could see that. Uh, that's a big telltale of me of him of him being in control in that particular moment with swimming. Uh, certainly his mental fortitude in that run workout. So talking about that six mile run, when I saw him not, not giving up or not, not letting uh, Justin get away with it, even when you thought it for a moment there, that that could have been the situation. <laughs> that was a strong telltale of that. Uh, what else I'm just thinking of is uh, I'm not sure if you guys saw that Tia and Matt both, both failed their last, last push press or push jerk in the mm-hmm. event one. You could tell they trained together. That was a bit of a telltale there. Um, what else? Uh, so, yeah, looking into those. Um, see, uh, sorry, I'm a bit of a mind blank at the moment. Uh, what else was there? Yeah, because normally, I, normally I honestly, I sit on the computer and I'll just try analyze it and see what we can do. And I use that to help formulate for 2021 or the following season. You know, I look at the whole season and look at areas to improve. But I don't try to get caught on on um not so much these days uh, and again talking about that that trajectory of growth as well I'm, I'm more conscious of what they have done rather than comparing to others like i'm conscious to some degree of like okay wow that's a 30th finish we need to really step that up um but like like i'm going to talk about the handstand walk tears tears ability from the from 2015 john do you remember which year it was at the regionals where it was like a max handstand walk you know and do you remember yeah, that one? I, I believe in 2014 they had um, the handstand walk at regionals. It was uh, they had the one yeah. RM snatch and then max handstand walk. That's the one. That's the one. Yeah. So I remember that. Like when that event got announced for Tia, Tia couldn't even um, handstand walk was new to us. I I would be shocked if Tia got more than like 10 feet that day. You know, and then to see her get 100 yards. Like, I'm talking about the growth. She was never a gymnast to begin with. So I'm talking about, I'm so sorry, I'm more invested in what she has done and using that as a measurement of improvement. Um, I think a lot of people look at improvement when they're comparing it to the field. And I know John doesn't do this, but I know that we're, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm looking at what they've previous done or I look at workouts where I can, what best simulate that workout. And did I see an improvement when I look at the games workout? Obviously, everything at the games heightened. 
like their their level or their their ability to go to darker, deeper places is certainly heightened at the game, so they can go that extra mile. Um, but ultimately, that's what it is at the games. They're testing their fitness, and uh, and, and that's why it's important to use that data as well. So I hope somewhere in there that I answered this question, but yeah. Yeah, you know, honestly, I'm truly enjoying the conversation and, uh, and I'm really loving sort of the, the way you just dig deeper into, into the answers. And, and, um, and as you talk, like I've, I have more questions in my head, but of course, you know, Matt and Tia, they performed so well during the games. I, you know, us, me actually watching the games, I thought they never suffered. They never, there was, there was never a moment where they feel challenged and, and they, they were a few moments, but um, mm -hmm. um, how did you how did you live the games from uh, as a coach? Was there a moment where you had yeah. to dig deeper in, in that book and say, "Listen, we're going to do this like this, and and we're going to we need to plan these carefully. We want to you know perform at a level we expect." Yeah, so I think what I want to share as well is like if we rewind it back leading into the game, um, there was two tests required: COVID tests to be done. So one before you departed for LA. Oh, sorry. California and then once you check into the to the bubble there was another test and once you get that test you stay quarantined or you isolate yourself until you get the results back but for that first test before we could leave or sorry for the both tests we were so wrapped up about interactions or concerned about uh, just training in the gym doing everything like that so for a while there we were so it was like it was a sixth competitor at the CrossFit Games. We were battling this other person to make sure that they weren't going to test positive for COVID. And that would have been a sick feeling if that ever stemmed, or if that ever happened. But, mm -hmm. but why I mentioned that is like for so much, for so much time there, there was so much of our conversations were revolved around logistics about transportation or, or training times, making sure that we weren't at the busiest times when we trained obviously flying over to California. When we try to set up our our games training camp in California, like even having those hard but friendly chats to the the owners of the gym going, hey, like explaining the whole situation and understanding that. So navigating that was certainly a, a complex situation. So I think once we got the confirmation after the second test, that was a big relief then, it, and, and it felt real. It felt like, okay, the CrossFit Games are going to happen. They've, we're checked in, we've already signed in, we've done the COVID test, great, so the Games is next. And again, John knows this better than most, is that that period from that point on until event one is always like a roller coaster of nerves. You're like, even as a coach, you just consciously think, not second guessing everything you've done, but you're just making sure that that you've ticked every box for training and these guys are primed and ready and you're thinking more about have they maxim have they have they recovered or are they have they come off taper feeling like are they feeling ready you know and and a lot of external thoughts for me as well like i'm analyzing other people of the other competitors and just making checking what they look like are they in shape i think that's just natural when you're in in the training halls with these guys and you're seeing these phenomenal athletes as well so um, but I will say when event one started and I saw how in control Matt was and, and, and Tia as well, cause Matt went first, I was, I was, I was excited for the entire weekend because not all the workouts released, but I, I saw the demeanor or the composed look he had and he had full control. Like he felt full control of that particular workout. 
and so did Tia. Like when I see them scanning the room, I know that they're just doing what they have to do in order to get the points rather than sort of put a spectacle on and just uh, beat people, sorry, without disrespecting, but beating the athletes significantly, but for no reason because there wasn't another heat to follow. So they just had to be in control of the other four around them and then minimize going into that dark place. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, I hope that answers that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, super interesting. As, and I was, I was wondering whether the fact that there were so, so few athletes, right? I mean, yeah, there was only one yeah. heat, so so you you could actually you were competing against the same guy, same guys for the entire weekend, and there were only four other guys. Did you guys do some some research on what those athletes? you could do what their strength and weaknesses were were you able to prepare the games in a different way rather than just go out there and just do your thing yeah yeah so uh exactly that like i, I my friend and i we spend a lot of time doing a big spreadsheet on uh, strength and weaknesses done a lot of comparison on the four other athletes competing against each other and, and identifying their their strengths uh, and their weaknesses and this is wasn't for me to share with tier and matt that's It does nothing for them. Like knowing that doesn't change anything. Um, it's just identifying for me when I'm starting to project the rest of the weekend, what it's looked like. And in fact, I remember bumping in the John occasionally at the games and we'd exchange notes and talk about, hey, do you know this person? Do you know what their strength and weaknesses are? Just having these conversations because I've built a strong relationship with John as well. And again, and just to add, I'm fortunate that he's on this conversation because um, I love his input as well. But it's it's also... These are the things that I internally think about and in my trust group as well, like with Matt O'Keefe and, and that we just, we discuss these topics as well. But it, again, just want to reinforce that it's not a position. I mean, it's not a place to put this, these thoughts onto the athletes. I think it's depending on the athlete that they may like this, but uh, for, for me, it's like to, these are my role is to be in charge of all the external factors. Uh, well, this is what I believe anyway. So my role is I want to be, I want to help them with obviously their training, um, their interaction, uh, their hydration, their, their nutrition, their sleep pattern. I want to help them with transportation logistics there. I want to obviously create the warm ups. They don't have to think there. I want to be conscious with the, uh, the marshal control and making sure, hey, how long until the guys have to be in the marshal? Obviously, just trying to factor all these external thoughts so that all they have to think about is three, two, one, go and let the subconscious take over. That's my goal. Yeah. So I guess I'm thinking about all these possibilities and that to remove it from their thoughts. Yeah. But it, I, I did feel that they, they looked very comfortable out there. Like both Matt and Tia, they, they, it, it felt that they were very much aware of what's going on and very much in control of every single workout and their athletes. So I guess, you know, having you do that that work for them um did did change the game a bit and um it was fun to see yeah i will say though like it was polar opposite to stage one as it was to stage two stage one you you did a workout and you didn't know where you're going to rack up and for me like it was exciting i we got to witness matt go to a realm like if 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 nasty fran if nasty fran was in stage two matt would have had a slower time because he wouldn't have to go to that place So that's what I look at too. So that's the exciting part, seeing yeah. Matt and Tia go to a go to a realm which isn't necessary, but in their mind they need to do their best 
because yeah. they don't know what's out there. You know what I'm saying? So that was exciting yeah. to see. So it was a different, different game. Yeah. Yeah. It does. That's exactly what what I was uh, thinking about. It was sort of seeing Matt and Tia compete the games. It felt like they were sort of controlling and knowing how much work they needed to do and you know and that they was very smart it, it felt very smart it felt very mature as an athlete and then seeing them do do fran or or, or stage one it, they looked like beasts like lions it the intensity was there it's like they were going all in no matter what even matt almost fainting at, during the front squad it was like okay i'm gonna go as far as i need to go and you know no one's gonna beat me yeah, I mean, it's, it's so exciting to see, like, even Matt with his front squad, he PR'd 20 pounds on his front squad on stage one. You know, that's never required, nor is the opportunity ever arise where you have 20 minutes in, in the world competition, sorry, in the CrossFit Games to find a 1RM. So when they invite the athletes to go to those places, that's exciting to see them show the best case of their fitness. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Uh, John, you had some questions for, for Shane. You want to you wanna shoot one? Yeah, I have uh, many a question. Um, I suppose it's, it's um, earlier on in the conversation, you like mentioned there was uh, a big change in your coaching from 15, 16, and then beyond. And mm-hmm. I think one thing that would be interesting is, is like what advice, if you could go back to yourself five years ago, as you are now, what advice would you give to yourself in 2015? Yeah, uh, great question. Like I, I think about this because I think it's important to reflect and see where you were and look at those as uh, learning curves or learning opportunities as well. Um, it's easier to see where you've been than where you will be in five years' time, I feel like, in this space of CrossFit. But number one would be trust yourself. I think that um, it's important to believe that, and it's contagious too, like I was saying. Like it allows – when you're confident in absolutely what you're, you're, when you're confident that you're giving them the best possible opportunity, in, in your opinion, um, it's easier for them to receive the information. And especially when there's moments of doubt, when you're in a stressful environment, like at the, uh, the CrossFit Games, and they're, they're not asking for it, they're not looking for confidence, but they can see it, or the, but you're giving off that vibe that, hey, you're prepared, you're ready. Those, that's very important for me. Um, I think that um, if I was back there, I'd just say buckle up, get ready. It's going to be a roller coaster of a ride. Like uh, I think that that's the reality of it too. It's like it's even with this confidence, you're not guaranteed a you know a straight journey. It's going to be up. You're going to have your highs and lows, um, and that that honestly just keep keep open minded. I think that's the big thing is with me as well. Be open minded with coaching and, and then the uh, the learnings or, or the new learnings, sorry, found with training as well. You know, like I don't think I haven't been stagnant. I've always been considered like being open-minded to other learnings and, and bouncing ideas off other coaches or mentors. I always want to be like that. So I just want to reinforce that, like keep doing that. That'll lead you to a better project trajectory as well. I hope, cool. yeah, in there somewhere. Absolutely. You have you have you have more John just feel feel free yeah, of course I think, you of know. course but it's just, just free fire just keep going <laughs> as well, so I think yeah. one of the obviously for you one of the most interesting factors is is the Matt kind of coming into your 
Rooster as, a, as an athlete and you starting uh, to coach him. And I think something, you know, because from from our perspective, you only see kind of uh, the outside or the, the social media dynamic of it. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people, including myself, were interested to know how how the dynamic works in within the group um, of how the how a kind of daily session looks, for example, yeah. like would uh, does Matt like follow the programming 100 percent? Would he just follow along exactly what you guys do? Will he modify things like the kind of in-depth of, uh, I suppose, a behind the scenes verbal look yeah. at uh, a day training with you guys? Yeah, so Judd, I'll keep some cards close. I don't want to give them all away. No, I'm kidding. But uh, <laughs> what I will say is uh, if, if I had to break it down in a percentage, uh, I would say that 80% of the time, or I would say 85% of the time, Tier and Matt are trading together. The other 15 would be when, when one of them are on the road or that we're doing a monostructural piece in the morning and we've got our own little small setup in our apartment. So we'll just do our rowing intervals here and then Matt would do them in his in his garage at home so that and then we would exchange notes later but that for the rest of it for the rest of it these guys train together um uh, and completely do the same same workouts um what's phenomenal about it is that they have so many strength and weaknesses or sorry strengths that are very similar to each other so that we can we can create a, a program or, or we can create we can structure a program to suit them both. Uh, there are elements, there are times where, uh, like for instance, handstand walk, Matt won't have to do as much as that. So he'll work on another piece where Tia will work more solely on that and uh, vice versa. So, you know, like when there's other, when those happen, we, we certainly uh, adjust on the fly there or not on the fly, but we adjust or compensate for that. But yeah, Matt would do absolutely everything we have done and he also provides input as well. And so does Tia for that matter. But that's what I wanted. Again, talking about that transparency. Like I want him. He was a phenomenal athlete before he got to me. So the fact that, I mean, so I want to take in his input because he would have had a lot of learnings that I want to implement to our training, which has helped him. And I want to obviously add that and then vice versa as well, that I try to create a plan for him to be at his best I think the only complication when I'm starting to think more into it would certainly be around the sanction event. Uh, when Matt went to London, uh, Tia wasn't doing London. She did uh, the Mayhem Classic, the Mayhem Classic weeks prior to that. So that overlap, that period there, we had them doing sort of like different training, obviously for Matt to, to peak at one time and Tia to peak earlier. Uh, but other than that, these guys would do a lot of training and they're phenomenal. They're starting, they exchange notes towards each other after workout and they'll talk about what they did. Um, sometimes they'll do different strategies on purpose just so they can reflect and then go, hey, this worked better. Obviously, this worked better or, or they'll just exchange notes that way. Again, these guys are phenomenal. Um, they're very conscious of their body. So it's very easy in that sense. Um, yeah, so I think. And do they tend to, does the programming often happen like on a weekly, like how would, do you just present, say, you know, here guys, here's the week's programming, or does it happen in a daily basis each morning that you'll sit down yeah. and, and go through? Yeah, so I like to, if I've got a strength program, which carries over eight weeks, obviously I populate, say, the eight weeks and put them in the spreadsheet. 
Uh, I like to fill out the entire week. Sorry, I like to have a two-week plan, loose plan. Say, for instance, AM, swim, PM, you know, gym and, and whatever, whatever, hill sprints here, or I like to do X, Y, Z there. Uh, but what I like to do, sorry, then for the, the week at hand, I populate that to about 80, 85%. But for the, let's talk, say it's Monday, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday will be 100% filled out. It's just the remainder of the week, which isn't completely filled out. And as the days move forward, I'm a day, day and a half or two days ahead that I'm filling it out completely. And why I think that's important is just that if, if something something I didn't factor in, say, Oh, that's right. I forgot that they did 300 air squats, hence why their legs are sore on Wednesday. Let me just remove this squat session here and then put it on Friday. So that's how I, that's how I typically do 90% of the year. Uh, the other part would be in the off season where I just free range or do nothing completely. And how long is your guys, because you know, you hear, I think Matt was always the, the first kind of guy you'd hear because, you know, Froning um, in his stage, you know, if everyone knows Froning loves training, you know, like there's no, uh, yeah. there's no kind of off season. So yeah. I think Fraser was the first guy to kind of come along. Well, first like major athlete who was in that dominant phase was like, you know what? I'm not training now. You know, I'm taking yeah. the time off. I'm doing it. And how long, you know, is it Fraser talks in terms of months or at least he mentions that like you'll have a few months off not do anything would that be the same for you guys that like it, you know when you talk about off that's like zero training for two months yep uh, so the only time we so we, we've done the same thing for, for many many years as well i think after 2016 leading in 2017 was our biggest break and that was actually due to it due to tears injury like it forced us to have a break and we realized the importance of it back then uh so yeah we try to maximize absolutely no time in the gym uh and it's true, yeah, it's true for both parts. Rich does train all year round. I know he's training probably right this minute. And I know for a fact that I know for a fact that Matt's not training right this minute. Um, I think it's for us, it seems to be the best way to maximize the guy's intensity and efforts throughout the entire year. Uh, um, and it seems to be an important model for us. It allows them to reset and think about their goals mentally. Also, the, the first couple of years, particularly for Tia, she was obviously trying to go through to make it to the Olympics. So we found ourselves not doing CrossFit, but we're just solely doing weightlifting. And uh, no disrespect to weightlifters, but that allowed us to, it, it, it's still a very small volume-wise or training as it is training for the CrossFit Games. Yeah. It it makes it makes perfect sense, and and um, and um, I'm also wondering. I mean, you see, you see uh, the best athletes in the world. I mean, you live in that community, uh, the best athletes in the world competing at the at the highest level. And um, I was wondering if you see what are the 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 biggest and most common mistakes you see, so the best athletes in the world do. I mean, I tell you this because I think I don't know it was with you, John, but someone in the community told me. You know, we all know Neil Maddox is the strongest guy, but sometimes he he he, he goes to the games and he fails to do as, as well as he's supposed to. And um, I, I guess that involves a level of of, of performance. Disclaimer, that, that wasn't me. 
Sorry, sorry. Before that goes out to CrossFit World, that was. Uh, sorry, John. It, it was. It was. It, it's, it's because me as a fan, I did buy a. I did buy a, a Neil Maddox T-shirt. Love the guy, and uh, so so someone someone told me. But I guess the question is, you know, what is what is the biggest mistakes you see in the in the best athletes in the world, if any? In, in CrossFit. Yeah. Oof. Uh... I mean, it is a good question, but I don't feel like I'm the right person to criticize another coach. Like, I feel like I'm on this learning curve just as much as the next coach. Uh, I can only express on what's worked for us. Like, what I'm trying to do without you realizing is avoid the question. I'll just change. Yeah. You know, you know sorry. It, it, was, it, it, really, it really was something that I'm fascinated on. It's like, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, is it really possible that, you know, that someone at that level actually makes a mistake or is it just like a tweak in the planning or the programming that can be adjusted? But you know, let's move on to something else. Unless, unless John wants to, wants to go deeper into, into some of his topics, you know, I'm also interested. Shoot. I just want to follow on from that. I think that one thing that's interesting, and I, I think one of the really nice things that um, that's happened because of of Matt joining in the rooster with Shane Tier is that it shows the importance of a team. And you know, like back in the day, like you know, I started CrossFit in like 2007, 2006. You know, we we're working out in car parks, and that's where like competitions were held. And as the sports evolved and taking through to the next levels. I think it's really important that athletes have support teams around them and and the sport with the way it is now it's like i think that trying to just go on your own route and do everything by yourself you know it's like it's hard enough and so putting yourself in a good support team putting good people around you is actually one of the greatest things you can do as a as, as an athlete yeah I, i would agree with that too john i think that um as the that's probably a, a big thing as well. Like I think if you compare to even our first year at the games, 2015, I think there was only a handful of coaches that specialized in elite coaching. The others were just members of the gym, you know, and to see that growth for me is exciting. And I'm sure you get excited as well. It shows the level of professionalism uh, the athletes are obtaining now or have access to. Uh, and I think that's, that's what we need in order for the sport to keep developing or keep pushing the boundary for human performance. Um, and I think that's what's phenomenal about what I'm excited when I see when I compare again 2015, Shane, to 2020 or 21 is just seeing the growth I've had there. And I hope to express that or, or, or push that those learnings into the training formats for Tia and Matt. And, uh, and I think that that's an, that's an, that's a topic what doesn't get highlighted as well. Like we commend, and again, I'm biased as a coach, but we commend these athletes for getting these awesome accolades. But behind it is this this coach what is learning all these ways as well, these new techniques and stuff that we're trying to implement in their training. Don't get me wrong, the athletes are phenomenal. We wouldn't be here without them. But but someone's putting in the time to put in the bookwork or put in the you know the computer time to learn these other new methods or or evolve or adapt or or look elsewhere. Like I've always looked at strength and conditioning as a big, big resource for myself, like not particularly CrossFit. Um, 
sorry, I do, but I also look elsewhere. So for instance, I look at like a NFL combine or, or training plans, what they use for them guys. I look at the EPL or sorry, I just look at soccer and see what those guys are doing for conditioning based stuff, you know? Um, and I talk about like little things like divers and swimmers and when they do their breathing protocols, when they're doing stuff like that. So I guess what I'm trying to say is there's a, there's a big realm out there of strength and conditioning, which has been around for hundreds of years. And, and if we can, as coaches, utilize that and then, and then dish it out to the athletes, I'm sure we can push new boundaries for human performance as well. Fascinating to hear to hear you saying like how you get better as a coach and and what 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 are your sources of, of information? Do you actually have a sort of a routine yourself to to get better to learn? Do you or is it something you do um, naturally, sort of a bit a bit every day? Yeah, uh, I mean it sounds a bit cheesy, but I've got like this this book and it's just like. It asks for five tasks a day and I'll just fill it out. And I, I'm going to try and make a goal of three times a week where I'll dedicate 60 to 90 minutes of external learning of just anything outside the realm of CrossFit. So again, just talk breathing. Breathing is one of those ones I'm looking at. Uh, cycling world, I'll just try to dive deep in one of them. I can put on a YouTube or a podcast, listen to that. And then if, if there's terminology there what excites me, then I'll just go on a rabbit hole there. So I try to do that. Uh, I will say throughout this, like once I'm in the thick of it, like leading into the games, that does fall away because I'm not going to implement anything new into training. But for the off season, particularly, uh, and even throughout the open and, and the sanctioned events, I dabble around with those learnings. But but yeah, so I I, I do. I still this is mm -hmm. me trying to be open mind and look at new learnings. Yeah. Uh, fascinating. We're just going to throw you a couple last questions and, and, and yeah. thank you for your time. But I, I was wondering, you know, the T-shirt you're wearing, I know you have um, sort of a, a training platform, uh, right? Is, is, it, is it and then, then you're launching and you, are you accepting athletes from, from all over the world to follow your training or, or, or just, yeah. you know, top athletes? How is that, that going to work? Yeah. So uh, we offer two tracks at the moment for our proven site. Um, we offer one for fitness, and it's going to probably start evolving now that we've a lot of people going back into lockdown. So we offer one for fitness, and that's just about a 60, 90-minute session where uh, the everyday with limited access to equipment can utilize. And then we offer a compete track. And uh, at the moment, we're putting that into more of a sanctioned cross-open preparation, given that the games and the big competitions aren't until later in the year. But essentially, it's what Tia and Matt do. Uh, before we used to call it, uh, I'm not sure what we used to call it, but like do what tier does or something like that, or I forget the name of it. I've just butchered it, but, uh, it's essentially what tier does anyway. And, um, that can go from about two and a half to four and a half to four hours worth of training there. But yeah, it's, wow. it's, a, it's growing and we're phenomenal. We're looking at expanding, which is awesome. Uh, it, that will allow me to just focus solely on the competitive athletes. Uh, we always are looking at for competitive athletes. I will say, though, like this is a new endeavor. Um, I think, again, like if you asked me five years ago, would I be open-minded to this? My original thought would have been uh, when Tier retires, I retire. Like this was, I ultimately wanted to do this because Tier wanted me to help her. So that was that was my goal. Like I never really thought about this as, a, as an opportunity to grow or expand or share learnings. Um, I think now... I, now I just I gen I, I've always and I generally just want to help other people 
evolved or adapt or any way I can. Um, so yeah, so I guess that that track's uh, evolving and growing heaps, which is phenomenal to see. Yeah, awesome. Thank you for sharing. I I think this is a. I don't know whether you John have a, a last question for for Shane. No, actually, one of my Hit questions me, was if uh, if Matt and Tia were to retire, if you would uh, carry on coaching. But I kind of feel that's uh, you just answered that. The the coaching journey is long, longer than the athlete career. That's that's the beauty. It looks after the knees. The coaching does. So I'll keep. If you could, uh, if you could take a few years off and let us all catch up, and then we can oh, we yeah. can restart. <laughs> Man, I wish that was the case. I... <laughs> Wonderful. Then, you know, I think this is a beautiful way to end it. Uh, Shane, thank you so much for your time and your enthusiasm and congratulations on, on the achievements. Please send our regards to, to TN Math. Hopefully we can speak to you again sometime soon and celebrate more victories. Um, it's, um, it's, um, it's a treat to, to see you guys perform from, from the stands. And, uh, John, thank you so much as well for joining the conversation. I'm, I'm happy to be a part of it. Guys, Shane, I also thank want to you so thank much. you guys for your time as well. I appreciate appreciate you guys dedicating or putting me on the show. And I know it's uh, I, pr- I appreciate your professionalism. And John, obviously, I respect you as a coach, and I think you're doing phenomenal things in Europe and in the states. And I look forward to bumping to you guys in the near future. Yeah, thank you very much, guys. Thank you, Shane. Thank you, John. Have a wonderful evening. You take care of each other. Bye bye. Bye now. And um, I'm gonna. Stop recording.